Welcome to this episode of the Atlanta Career Journey Podcast. Today's guest is Phibia Gee, who's the co-founder and CEO of Found Professionals. I met Phibia through some mutual friends from PM Technologies, when we discovered a shared interest in travel and culture, amongst other things. She has gone on to do some great things in the staffing industry and created her own recruiting firm. And I've really been looking forward to learning more about her career path and what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur. So welcome to the podcast, Vivia. Hi, Paul. Thanks so much for having me. It's yeah. really a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's pouring down rain and lightning here. So hopefully we don't have any technical issues, but so far, so good. It's same here. And I'm 26 floors up in the sky. So I'm, you might hear some noise around here. <laughs> it's all good. So anyways, well, great. So, um, so we met, um, I think it was at Topgolf. There was some event there and I chatted yeah. your ear off about, you know, Romania and travel and all that, but um, let's just kind of start there. So tell me a little bit about your background, you know, where you grew up, um, any sort of family or school, and then really just kind of where that took you into your first job, kind of the mindset that, uh, that brought you to uh, the starting point in your career. Yes, well, that, that's a story. And you're right, we, we met at Top Golf. I was trying to remember actually where we met, but I think that's what it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, but so my story actually um, began in Romania. That's where I was born and raised and mostly educated. Um, and then moved to US here to Atlanta as a young adult. Um, and I literally moved here just to pretty much follow the American dream. Uh, it, it looked very different than what I've seen in movies, to be really honest. Yeah, so, I'm shocked. I'm absolutely stunned. Hollywood's not right? accurate. <laughs> but that's probably yeah, your so, only perspective. Um, Did you know people in the U.S. that you could talk to, or was it sort of like your only inspiration was really through movies or TV shows? It's interesting. I knew some people, but I didn't know their day-to-day life. And to be very honest, I didn't know many professional people in the United States. Um, and my brother was already here. He came here a few years before me. Okay. Um, but he was very involved into the, in the Romanian community, and I landed there. Um, and that looked different than how I imagined my life in the United States. So really, mostly my perspective was from the movies. Yeah. Um, and I moved here, and it looked different, and it was so hard. I wanted to move back in the first few months, but I didn't have money to buy tickets to go back, to be very honest. Um, and I'm, I'm very thankful that I didn't, and I, um, and I just stuck around. But um, really how it started for me was, I remember walking into a bank. It was a, um, it was a wealth, no, it was a Wachovia bank at the time. Mm-hmm. And I just looked at those uh, tellers, and I told my brother, I think I want to work in a bank one day. And, you know, I hadn't even graduated at the time. Um, and I, that was my first time in a bank because in Romania, we didn't do banks at the time. Yeah. So I remember everybody around me said, well, that's keep dreaming. That's not going to happen because you did not go to school here. You don't speak English. I hardly spoke English at the time. But I was very motivated and I applied at every single bank that I saw and I insisted. And I remember I called the recruiter every day for a month until someone finally gave me a job. And I started in um, banking at SunTrust when okay. I was 20 years old and just kind of went from there. Honestly, I realized that I soon realized that if you work hard um, in America, you can move up quickly and get promoted and do very well. And I 
work. I mean, I work. And I said yes to everything they were asking me to do, every job, working overtime, everything. And um, I made it to management in less than three years. That's amazing. That is, that's uh, really inspirational. So tell me a little bit. So you got to the U.S. at 20. So you had finished up high school in Romania and then started at university somewhere? Or were you working um, back in Romania and then just decided, you know what, the opportunities seem to be better in the U.S. than what I'm seeing here? Is that sort of the, the thought process? So I had actually started college in Romania and then I transferred to online after I moved to the United States. Okay. Um, so that's, that's what I did. And then um, I was actually 19 when I moved. And um, it was just one of those things, you know, I won the green card lottery. And it was, you didn't even question it. Do you go? Do you not go? You just went. I pretty yeah. much had a green card to move to the United States. So, um, yeah, in the first few years, I did just um, work and school online. And then at some point, I decided that I wanted to go into uh, medical school and I went back to school in the United States but then I realized that I love business too much and I'm not made for for medical yeah. um, arena so I stopped and I continued with my uh, just business. So what did you like most about banking when you first got started what was it that sort of caught your attention? You know what in Romania a banker was really highly seen if you worked in a bank, you made it, right? It's not the same here necessarily. Mm-hmm. So for me to just work, be in a position like that, in a professional position was like, I, I made it, right? Yeah. Um, in Romania, you would pay a lot of money to get a job like that. And that's just because it's a very corrupted country. Mm-hmm. So for me, getting that opportunity here, it was like, I've, I've made it. And now I have to see where else can I go from here. So... Well, that's great because it wasn't just about getting the job. Then it was also being successful in that job. So the hard work and, you know, that motivation drove you. It absolutely drove me. I just saw that you can do it. And I, and I did it. And I, um, I spent six years in banking and in my third year, I believe I got a license as an investment banker as well. Okay. So I started selling mutual funds and insurance products and, um, all kind of um, life annuities and stuff like that. So I had all my, uh, not all of them, but a lot of investment licenses, like six and 63 and seven and, and all of that. So um, it was actually a very successful time for me in banking. And I would say that's the time when I truly learned professionalism because mm-hmm. I never, I've never seen it before. Um, you know, my parents worked in factories. I've never seen something like that before. So, um, I learned how to be a professional in banking. Yeah. And I've learned how to pretty much, I would say everything. I've learned business development. I've learned sales. I've learned management. I've learned it all on my own and just asking. I asked everybody everything. <laughs> Probably bugged them too much, but I learned a lot. Well, that's how you learn, right? I think that's really important to just to understand that when you get in somewhere, you know, there's not going to be this, you know, this, this golden path that people are just going to like set you on and it, everything's going to come to you. Um, you know, especially in these days, you know, there's, there's so much information available that you can self-serve that you really almost have to own your own career and your path as well. So um, yeah. it sounds like you kind of knew that early and kind of made the best use of that. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, t- so now were you in Atlanta the whole time? Did you come here from I Romania? I was in Atlanta. Yes. Okay. I moved straight to Atlanta and this is where I've been for the past almost 18 years now. 
Wow. Lots changed here in 18 years, but uh, certainly yeah. lots changed for you as well. So that's yeah. great. So after um, banking in six years, um, you know, you get your management, um, you've got investment background. Um, what was next for you? Were you looking to continue to learn things or tell me about your next step? Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, I really enjoyed banking and I really enjoyed especially the investment side of it. Uh, but I think I struggled a little bit because, <laughs> and I'll be very transparent here, I felt like I couldn't be very ethical a, a lot of times if I wanted to meet the goals and help the people. Mm-hmm. So I was struggling a little bit with that. Um, but I still enjoyed it. Um, however, I got the opportunity to go and work with a startup, a software company after that. And they asked me to pretty much go and help them um, with business development, bringing new clients in and help them with the financial part. And that was the part that I was kind of bringing in from my banking experience. Um, and at the beginning, I was, um, I don't want to say scared because I'm never scared of trying something new. I'm always the, the one that says yes to everything and then I'll go and figure out how to do it. <laughs> um, but I did not know anything about software. I'll tell you that. I had no clue. I, I, I didn't even know what's a, what's a software, what's a hardware, what's a computer. I, I just hardly knew how to do too much, much on a computer. But um, I was like, well, this sounds interesting. And they were talking about the software company that were going to grow internationally. And um, I got to go to really large international um, trade shows and conferences and meet with uh, people that were already, you know, from very established companies. And at the time, like I would get to go and talk to people from Yahoo was big at the time, you know, and mm-hmm. Google and Facebook and all of those, and then smaller companies. So um, I would, I spent a year and a half there. And I would say it was one of the most fun experiences for me. And that's where I got that bug of owning my own company one day. Okay. I really enjoyed that startup world. It was just fascinating. We worked a lot because we were doing everything. I ended up getting into finance, business development. I was doing bookkeeping. I was doing, you know, HR recruitment, anything, legal stuff. We were putting contracts together. I learned how to put legal contracts together. I just, you know, you have to do everything when it's just a few people in the company. Yeah. So but I really, really enjoy it. And it was a big contrast from, you know, going from SunTrust, which was a big, you know, corporate, corporate America, big corporation with yeah. a lot of resources. And then I went from there to a company with three people when we started. Um, and it was just, it was just amazing. I absolutely love that. Um, and then from there, I, uh, from there, I got recruited to PM Technologies, actually, mm-hmm. um, which was a little bit of the sweet spot in between startup and um, a big company, right? Yep. We had the resources, we had some procedures in place some structure, which was nice, um, but we still had freedom in a way, right? I was still sitting next to the CEO and um, all the other executives. So that was actually nice having access to that. Um, but still have the freedom to go and meet with people and meet with clients. And um, I helped them set up the staffing branch more and kind of build that up and business development. And that's when we met. But yeah. that, was, that was really nice because I got to work with a lot of large clients and meet a lot of the big names, I would say, around Atlanta, not only. Yeah. That was a fun experience. 
That's awesome. And, you know, and it, it, I've talked to a few folks now that, you know, when we talk about some of the, those folks that have gone into startups or smaller companies, you know, it is a different perspective, but it's, it's really pretty amazing. And I know my experiences in smaller startup companies, it's almost like getting a graduate degree in business because you do see everything, you know, and you learn everything from sales and business development to product to operations, to marketing, to, um, you know, finance and, you know, strategic uh, planning and all of those things. And you're right, you've got access to every level of the company um, and you kind of have a, a pretty good sense of what's happening and things can spin quickly. So there's a lot of energy and, you know, you kind of have this us against the world mindset. It really is a pretty amazing opportunity for, for anybody, I think, to go into it. And I don't know about you, but I, I never thought I was sort of the startup entrepreneur person and I'm really not wired that way anyway, but I thought I'd be in a big company my entire life and just kind of work my way through, you know, whatever, um, you know, area of IT that, you know, interested me, but that was really about it. And um, I was pleasantly surprised at how much I really enjoyed that. And so I tried to find, like you said, that balance of, you know, in a big company, the last three or four roles that I've had have been like that big company, but they, they're funding this new area to do change or transformation with. And so you have a little bit of that, that freedom and flexibility to be, you know, somewhat bold and to do and try new things with maybe the backing. So instead of you going to, you know, VCs to get funding every, you know, 12 months or 24 months, you've got a little bit more runway and a little bit more implied security as well. So yeah, that's, uh, I don't know if that's, that's kind of what you, what you saw as well. You know, for me, I think I had a dream of owning my own company since I was a teenager. Um, wow. it's, it's very interesting because, you know, I was in Romania at the time and I did not really see, you know, entrepreneurs around me. People around me were working in factories at the time. We had just um, came out of the communism. There was no such thing, right? Yeah. So, um, and what city again, were you in? What city in Romania I was in were you? Oradia. Okay. Oradia, which was the which northwest. And I remember you went to Romania. I don't remember if we spoke about it. Well, yeah, I actually didn't. But my, my daughter had a, a really close right. friend and still does right. from high school. And she actually has moved yeah. back to Romania. And I think, I think that's the same town. Um, I think we did really? talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Small world. Yeah. So that's why I honestly think it was from the movies where I saw people <laughs> owning businesses. And yeah. I feel like I vividly had those images in my head of me just walking on the hallways of my own company one day and just in a business suit. It's just interesting because I think somehow I've always had that in me. Yeah. Um, but I'm very thankful that I got the experience of the corporate America as well. Um, I'm, I'm grateful for that. I feel like I, cause I can talk to people that are in that world and I understand that. Yeah. But I can also talk to, to entrepreneurs and I'm definitely a very, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur all the way I'm yeah. set up and wired that way. But um, I'm glad that I have both experiences, to be very honest. I feel like it's helped me a lot to grow in my career, but also in my business lately. It's, it's been really good. That's really good perspective. Mm-hmm. So, so coming um, out of PM Technologies, um, you went into, I think, a staffing company for a yes. little bit, right? So tell me about that yeah. transition. So I'll go back to um, PM Technologies just because that's really where I started getting more into the staffing world and recruitment. Okay. And I learned a lot about that there. And then from there, I went into a company, um, TRC, which was pretty much a staffing company. But I worked for their professional divisions, which was still more 
recruitment on the um, high-level professionals. So I enjoy that. I've learned a lot, um, and no fault to any of those companies that I work with, but I will tell you, um, I never really liked recruitment or staffing. Um, I always felt like there's way to do it better. Um, I always felt like it's so much of a numbers game, yeah. and I'm I'm very um, I, I understand numbers, but I'm very much heart driven. So it was very hard for me to look at candidates, to look at jobs as numbers. Yeah, and um, yeah, that's pretty much. But but I did learn a lot from both of those companies. So that was great for me to really understand what the staffing industry is about. Yeah. Right? Um, but I only spent, I spent eight months at TRC and there were some really great months. I met some incredible people there. Um, and then where the, the change really happened for me, and I think you and I met actually just in that summer, mm-hmm. is when um, my mom passed away and it was just very sudden. Yeah. And that kind of prompted me, well, for the time being, it prompted me to take a break. Um, I tried to go back to work. I just couldn't focus, couldn't be there. So in talking to my husband, I decided that I need a break to heal, to process, to figure out exactly what all of this is. Um, and I took six months break yeah. from work. Um, but and your mom was time, back in, your mom was in mom, Romania, right? My mom was in Romania. Yeah, yeah. 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 She was in Romania. And one of the main things for me was, um, you know, I wish I had more time with her. I wish I had more time to go there and spend with her and stay with her. And um, and I only say this, you know, and I truly have no regret in life whatsoever. But my only regret is that I didn't spend more time with her. And um, I blame that, so to say, a lot on corporate America, the fact that you only have two, three weeks vacation and it's mm. hard to take it all at once. Yeah. But then it's hard to go across the globe, you know, for just, a week and see your family so uh when that happened it really made me reconsider everything and i said i don't think i want to be in a job like that anymore where i am told you know how much time i need to take off when and um and all of that i want a flexibility i really Mm -hmm. want a flexibility and i already had the the startup bug in in me so i decided that was the time that was the time for me to do um, to do something. And um, I knew the staffing industry very well, but I also knew that there was a way to do it better. And that's what prompted me to start my own company. Um, and that was in, I think, January 2017. That's when I founded, um, found with uh, one of my very good friends, uh, Vivi. We decided to start uh, Found Professionals, but it wasn't as much staffing as more of a recruitment company and executive search company. Okay. Um, so even till today, we don't do staffing. We actually do executive search. Um, yeah. yeah. So how is, um, how do you distinguish between straight up staffing versus executive search? Is it more of a focused, here's a, here's a candidate or here's a company that's got a specific need versus staffing is more broader in the sense. Yeah. So I don't do contract roles okay right and that's more of what staffing is um i only do direct hires okay yeah so i get hired by a company to find um they're pretty much full-time employees yeah um but i work at 
anywhere from C-level executives to um, board members sometimes, and then um, other executive position and high-level professionals or uh, very hard to find jobs. And, and those are more in the technology field. Mm-hmm. But when I look at the whole executive search, that's in all verticals because you're looking at so much of the same characteristics in a person there. It doesn't matter if it's a you know, VP of HR or a CTO, you're looking at a lot of the same things. Mm-hmm. And my businesses where skills are skills, you know, you can train skills, I believe that, but it's more about that match when it comes to values and purpose and culture fit. So I spend good time with the company to really understand what their values are and their culture, and then yeah. find the people that could fit in that. Um, and skills for me, that's just a different, that's just after that, right? Skills, yeah. a lot of people can have the skills. Well, that's, that's really, more, ins- yeah, sorry to interrupt. That's really insightful for you because culture is really powerful. And if you don't take the time to really understand what that yeah. culture is about, you know, you're not going to find that right candidate that's going to really make a difference, you know, for either that that new candidate or for the company that they're coming into. So, yeah. And there's a lot of talk these days about culture in companies. You know, everybody talks about culture these days. And, you know, so much of it is, you know, the ping pong tables and the beer (laughs) and tap, but that's not really the culture, right? So it's, it's really understanding how the teams function and how, what are the values of the company. So there's way more that goes into that. And, you know, to be able to make that great match, you have to really understand that. But then, which is very different than what the staffing industry is doing, I actually spend a lot of the time with my candidates to really understand not only do they have what it takes for this job, but is this job, is this career something where they see themselves? Is this something that's going to align with their own, you know, dreams and values? Because for me, it's important to make that match, to make someone, to help someone feel like I belong here not just the job that pays their bills. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah, it does. And that's, you know, you, you don't see that with every, every staffing company for sure. Um, you know, it's mainly a numbers game or um, they don't have the time because the volume is, you know, so great. Or, right. Um, they're just working with one company, but um, that's, that's really important. And I think that's great for a candidate who may not, yeah. you know, be in the right frame of mind to say, you know, if they're out of a job, because I know I went through this and we talked about this last year is that, you know, I just need a job, I need a paycheck, you know, find something, I'll get in there and then I'll figure out if I like it or not, you know, but I think for you to come in and, and have that foresight to say, look, let's, let's talk a little bit about what you want to do and map out your career because you don't just want to hop around and do different things. Let's be intentional and find that right fit for you that you're going to really be happy. Um, you know, you continue to grow and be motivated and all the things that you, you know, really look for when you've got that right company. So that's really good. Exactly. And especially with the newer generations entering the workforce and, you know, since your podcast is, you know, it's mostly for the, I would say, you know, younger people, newer generations, millennials, yep. Gen Z, you know, for them, a job is not just a nine to five job that, you know, pays the bills. Millennials like to feel like they are making an impact in the world. So they like to work for a company that's doing something right so that alignment in in values and purpose is very very important for for the newer generations um where you know um some of the um gen x's and baby boomers it was more of you know need to be at a job that pays the bills stay there for 
for a long time. Millennials don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're seen as, you know, job hoppers, but I don't see it like that. I don't think it's that because they will, they will go for a new job a lot of times um, that fits better with their values and actually take a pay cut so many yeah. times. So it's not necessarily that they go, they don't go and chase the money. It's more of they want that meaning, you know, I'm doing something to live this world a better place. That's yeah. really where millennials come from. And we're seeing a lot of that with the Gen Z's as well. Yeah. And, and that's spot on. I know like I've got three kids, um, two just graduated college exactly. and my son, um, you know, he's, he, he does, he walks that talk, you know, I mean, he's, he's got um, a really good heart uh, on top of just being a, you know, really smart kid or young man and, and an incredible worker. But, you know, I remember when I was coming out of college, I would chase the dollar, you know, whatever was the highest mm-hmm. offer was where I would go. And he had lots of opportunities coming out of Georgia tech with a, you know, master's yeah. degree in mechanical engineering. And he wanted to stay here. And there were things that he was willing to do and things that he really had no interest in and stood mm-hmm. by those. And so he's landed a place he's really happy with. Um, yeah. And it's just so different because I know I would, I would be very different in terms of my approach, but that was also, you know, 30 years ago. And so a lot's changed. Mm-hmm. And I think to your point too, like I started out at Delta, you know, in the first day they talked to you about mm-hmm. your retirement benefits when you're 65. So the thinking is everybody that comes here is going to be here until they retire. And, you know, you have a pension, you have all the other things that, you know, older companies used to provide. And now, you know, as my kids generation have seen, you know, layoffs and furloughs and things happen and everything exactly. from 2008, there's no guarantee. So, you really have to control your own destiny as well as try to manage mm-hmm. your career. So it's, um, it is very and different. Those are, those are some events that influenced uh, the millennials, right? So they, they don't trust as much the system and the, you know, they, like you said, you know, they, nothing is sure. So for them, it's more important to have um, that culture. And a lot of it is maybe flexibility and a lot of, of it is, is it a global company? Because, you know, millennials and Gen Z's, they feel like they're global citizens, right? Mm-hmm. You are connected in a matter of a second with the whole world. So all of that is important for them more than, you know, am I going to stay here forever and retire from here? Yeah. So yeah. I talk about this even with my clients, you know, and hiring, because a lot of them do want to go and hire, you know, um, millennials and Gen Z's. And they have to take a completely different approach, even when they present their um their package to the benefits package to them. It looks very different than if you were to hire someone from a different generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, so, so you've, um, you've been, you've been managing your own company for three, four, um, three, three years and change, right? Three and a half years now. Yeah. Gosh, that's unbelievable. So, so what do you like, can you say, you know, kind of what you like most about your job? I mean, there's probably lots of things that you do like, but is there something that kind of stands out or resonates for you? Other than the fact that I'm my own boss, <laughs> I like What's that. What's not to like about that, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I like it because, well, I'm a dreamer, right? I'm a visionary. So I'm constantly um, restructuring my company. Actually, I'm working on a few projects now. So it's going to look quite different in a couple of years. But I love having the opportunity to actually um, change it um, as I change. Mm-hmm. You know, is it's because this company for me is an extension of who I am as an individual. I care so much about people really uh, living the best life that they can live, and I do that a lot in just like a lot of mentoring that I do. 
Yeah. Um, so being able to bring that on my in my business is just amazing. I it's I really don't separate myself too much from the business. For me, it's just not it's not just a business that makes money. For me, it's, this is who I am as an individual. I help people um, figure out their potential and live to their full potential, and I get to do that in my business day to day. So that's an amazing, amazing feeling. Um, being able to do that and, you know, call the shots when I need to and say no to business when I feel like this does not align with my own um, just values. And I think that's, that's been one of the, the things that I appreciate the most about having my own company where, um, you know, I'm not, as I said, I don't chase the money. I believe that if you do the right thing, money will come. Mm-hmm. So for me is I have to do the right thing when it comes to the company that I'm hired by right to to find their employees yeah but also i have to do the right thing when it comes to the candidate and when i do that um that just gives me just a lot of joy and for me that's important because when i feel like there's not a good match or when i feel like this is a company that i i wouldn't put anyone there i don't i don't like what they're doing i can say no to that business and there's nobody there to tell me that i have to get it because i need to meet numbers yeah, that's great. It's, it's nice to have that freedom and, you know, the ability to, to sort of just support things that are important to you and not just, like you said, chase after the next dollar. So mm-hmm. um, that's And then really again, nice. one of the, the reasons why I started it is the flexibility. You know, mm-hmm. now I go and I spend a couple of months a year in Romania with my dad and I work from there. Yeah. But, you know, I wake up in the morning and I have coffee with him and I spend time with him. And uh, to me, that's very important. And I can travel with my husband when he travels but I still do yeah. my job. I still work. So flexibility for me is very important. That's awesome. I mean, that's, it doesn't get much better than that, to be honest. So yeah. um, very happy for you. So obviously we, we can't have a, a podcast in August of 2020 without talking about uh, this COVID situation. <laughs> totally. So tell me, tell me how your business has changed this year um, with COVID and in this remote work and everyone's, you know, now living off of Zoom calls. What's that, what's that change look like for you? So obviously, you know, I'm in the hiring business. <laughs> so mm-hmm. A lot of companies had hiring freezing, especially in April, May. Um, so we saw a decrease, obviously, in, in, in business over those months. It started picking up again um, mm-hmm. from June. But um, the nicest thing was, because I've been talking about virtual work and remote work for so long, um, I really enjoy being able to um, work with my clients and prospects and help them um, bring some of their, bring their employees to um, remote work, but also help them through the hiring process. So I've enjoyed that side of it. Actually, it's been, it's been really nice working with some of my clients and just kind of help them go through that. And my philosophy was, you know, this is not what I normally do. It's not part of my services, but I let me help you because, you know, I, I do this. So I understand it. So let me help you. And then, um, you know, I know that will pay off in the future. So I had to um, change a little bit the business over the past few months, just so I focus more on this kind of services and mm-hmm. helping company with the whole virtual, how the virtual um as we talked previously, you know, onboarding is done and interviewing and hiring and all of that. So um, I've spent spent time doing that actually over the past few months. But now we're seeing an increase in in hiring again. I think think companies in general were 
scared in the first few months and and they were also hoping that this will be all done by now mm-hmm. so they put everything um they froze everything but then they realized okay this is not going anywhere so we have to go on with business yeah. and they um they started hiring again they they started bringing their people in and another thing because there's so there's oh, there's so many really good qualified candidates in the market now mm-hmm. what i've been telling so many of my clients is this is the time to bring those people in um if you want those great candidates that you had to probably um you know find in other companies before now they're available so now it's a good time to try to recruit some of those really good professionals yeah yeah that's a really good kind of a positive spin on on what's been kind of an ugly year have you noticed um that locations become somewhat flexible. Um, Cause I know with, um, with one of my previous companies, you know, they were, you know, the mindset from the management was you got to be in your seat, you know, everyone has to come here and there's, there's some aspect of co-location with team and camaraderie and that culture um, worked really well, but we still had offshore developers. So it wasn't like it was a hundred percent. And, um, you know, now everyone's kind of thinking, okay, I don't just need to hire somebody in Atlanta and they've got to be able to drive here commuting, you know, every day. Um, so I could maybe have somebody in Houston or Chicago or Los Angeles or Boston or wherever and still be part of the team. Are you seeing more of that flexibility with how companies are searching these days? Yes, I am. Um, especially companies that are realizing, you know, as we talked before, sometimes you don't need this person in you know, and in the office all the time. So I've actually hired someone in Miami for a company in Atlanta not long ago. So yeah. um, yes, they're, they're more open to that and realizing that, yeah, this remote work works so they don't have to be local to wherever they are. Yeah. I think that opens up the candidate field too. So you it can, does. if you're struggling trying to find, you know, a Java developer or whatever in one location and there's multiple ones somewhere else, you know, you can, you can really kind of up that bar a little bit with your hiring and, and make your company much more stronger by, you know, being able to look say across the country or even, you know, internationally. Yeah. So yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. And then companies don't have to worry about um, uh, paying any relocation bonuses or anything like that. So, you know, I've had clients that kind of enjoy that part. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty funny. I remember interviewing a candidate last year and it was um, this person was, I'd say, mid twenties, mid to late twenties. And, you know, one of the first things I asked in this interview process was I want to be able to work remote hundred percent. And I thought, mm-hmm. you know, I was just kind of thinking that right out of the gate in this interview, this person is asking and almost mandating, like if it's not, if, if I can't work from home hundred percent of the time, I'm not even interested in this job. Mm-hmm. You know, as somebody who's been working for 30 years, it was just, <laughs> it was an eye opener for me to come in and just have that mind, that, that mindset and the mandate to, to do that. So yeah, it's uh it's a different world we're in now. So we we've curious? seen that we've seen that even before with the younger generations. But now yeah. with COVID, I think we're gonna see this even more. Candidates yeah. and the really good ones, they're going to ask for remote work. Like absolutely. Yeah. And it's um, you know, I think we've all kind of, you know, I think evolved a little bit in our remote hundred percent thinking. So I know that you know, my commute to come up the stairs to the second floor is really pretty quick and there's not much traffic, you know, so I'm getting another two hours worth of productivity work every day without expanding my hours. And the other thing that's, you know, it's funny because um, when COVID shut down school, we had both my daughters that moved back home 
um, for their colleges. And my wife is a teacher was home. And so the four of us were in four different corners of the house. And then we'd like, you know, go our separate ways in the morning. And then we come back and the kitchen kind of got renamed the break room. So we kind of, you know, chit chat there. I'm like, Oh, I have, I have three new coworkers now. And these are the people that I, <laughs> I see in the hallway. You know, it's just, it's a, the dynamic was really, really interesting, yeah. but yeah, but it's, That's it's, cool. <laughs> but it's allowed for a lot more, you know, I get some people can say this is good or bad, but you know, that, that work-life blend a little bit where I don't feel mm -hmm. so bad working till six or six 30 and then looking at another 30 to 45 minute commute and get home exactly. and it's seven 45 and then you got to deal with dinner and it's late and you haven't seen your family all day. Whereas, you know, you can take a break at five, go for a walk, clear your head a little bit, come back, have some dinner, enjoy some family time. And then if you have to get back on for an hour or two, you're okay because you've already kind of yeah. had some family time. And so it really is, yeah. I think, given a lot more freedom and balance to people's lives, as long as you kind of maintain that structure, you know, um, mm -hmm. it's really been pretty good. So I've, I've been impressed. I don't know if you've seen that with some of your clients and, um, you know, how they've kind of changed their thinking over the last four or five months. I have. And it's interesting because I was actually talking to someone from a financial company, which, you know, they're very, in general, they're more conservative, right, mm -hmm. than other companies. And they only had 100% um, just in the office work and they were forced to do remote work now. And they're saying, oh, well, this actually is working. And we yeah. may actually consider doing this in the future. So for me, especially that I had a background in finance, I'm like, what? They're working <laughs> remote and they enjoy it. So yeah. I'm, I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving it. Just especially companies that are more conservative, uh, realizing that they can have remote work or maybe go to a hybrid model after this. I think mm -hmm. that's absolutely amazing. It's going yeah. to help a lot with that. Like you said, you know, um, work-life balance, I believe. Yeah, that's great. So, well, um, I try to ask this question to every guest. Um, what advice would you give to a younger you? Um, so, you know, if you could kind of go back and talk to that dreamer in Romania, um, you know, and knowing what you know now, is there anything, any sort of wisdom or insights you could, you could uh, impart to that person? Wow, that would be hard because those are two different worlds. I know. But they're so completely different. Um, what I would say is don't listen to what society says you should do, for sure. Like if you have passions, if you have dreams, if you have it in you that you want to do something, go and do it. We all have a different journey. And I tell my mentees this all the time. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right because our roads are different. We have different journeys. So, you know, when society tells you this is the road you should take to success, that might look very different for you. So I would say, look, there's one way to look. Look at successful people. Look at the people that are where you want to be in the future and learn from them. And I would say, ask for their mentorship. People love to mentor. I found that out. People actually love to be mentors to other people. So have the courage to go and ask. Ask for it. Just simply ask. Um, yeah. because the more of those people you have around you that are successful in the field that maybe you want to be in, or just, you know, in the industry, the more it will help you to, it will help you to get there. Right. So have those people in your life, but listen, be very selective about the voices that you let in your, in yeah. your, um, in, you know, that you let speak to you. Because a lot of the times people will speak from their own perspective. I know when I would talk about wanting to have my own company one day, 
so many people around me thought I was completely crazy and I could never achieve something like that. And it maybe it kept me from doing it for a while. But then I realized that those were their limitations, not mine. Right. They were yeah. afraid of being in the startup world. I wasn't. Yeah. So I think that would be my, my biggest advice. Be very selective of the voices that you let speak to you. That's great. Uh, and I think that really is powerful because I think there are a lot of people that, you know, they look to others and you're right. It can be, they're hearing the voice or the, the fear or insecurities of that person rather than, mm-hmm. you know, what you want to own. And I think if you, obviously you've moved here from another country and had to embrace new culture and language and everything else. So obviously you're pretty fearless compared to a lot of the folks that, you know, you run into here that have never really you know, sometimes haven't been out of the state or even out of their county, you know, so it's, right. it's a different level of embracing that fear, you know, getting energized from it and um, really, really good advice. So you mentioned, um, you know, volunteering earlier. Tell me a little bit about some of the uh, activities you're involved in. You're a mentor, I know, and some other things. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about that. So I actually do a couple of different things, but um, one of the main organization that I'm involved with here locally is, um, Georgia Cares and Georgia Cares is, is a nonprofit organization that serves victims of um, sex, child, uh, child trafficking. Um, they, um, they do amazing work here in, in Georgia. So um, that's a cause that just is, um, for whatever reason, it's close to my heart. I, I became aware of just human trafficking and sex trafficking globally a few years ago. And actually when I opened the business, I decided that we were going to give a percentage of our um, revenue to this cause globally. Um, And we're still doing that to this day, but also I wanted to get involved locally. Um, So I really, I, you know, researched and found uh, there are a lot of companies that do a lot of good work here in Atlanta. I really like what Georgia Cares um, does. So I got involved with them and then I became a board member uh, last year with them. So it's, it's been really cool um, serving with them and just kind of, you know, being on that uh, journey. Mm-hmm. And then um, that's, that there goes a good amount of my time, but then um, <laughs> I also enjoy just mentoring in general. Yeah. Um, and I, I mentor women that go through um, just hard times in life, hard situations, um, so I like to walk alongside with them and I do that in one way. I do it through my church uh, where I do one-on-one mentorship. Um, and then I like to mentor people um, when it comes to their profession, you know, and career, giving career advice and kind of like how you have the heart for young people and high school and college mm-hmm. uh, people. I, I do. I have that the same because I feel like, you know, when I started, when I came here, I didn't, re- I had no one to tell me. I had no one to help me. I had no one to um, advise me. So I had to figure it out on my own. Um, thankfully, I, I was able to find good mentors along the way. But I want to be there for other people that are starting and don't know, you know, where to go. Um, and especially for um, internationals that move to U.S., Mm-hmm. Um, when they move to us as, at a very young age or as young adults, like I did pretty much everyone that I speak to in the first year, they want to move back home because it's so tough here, you know, and yeah. most of the times it's hard to, even if they're very, very educated at home, it's still hard to break it into the professional world here. 
So I mentor people that move here and just kind of help them figure out how to make that step and, and find their, just find their career here in the United States. That's amazing. I mean, it's, I know you're touching a lot of people's lives for the positive and, and really, um, you know, kind of giving back. And that's, that's really admirable. And I think, you know, we certainly need more people like you that's doing some really good things and some of the causes you've worked for. I mean, it's, uh, it's just incredible work for people that are, you know, really struggling or um, have been pulled into, you know, a really bad situation. So mm-hmm. very amazing. Well, cool. This, um, this has been a lot of fun. I really, really appreciate your time. It's been great kind of catching up with you. It's been a while, been too long since we talked, but I know. Um, we'll blame it on COVID so that we can't go out and grab a coffee somewhere. <laughs> So, I know. Well, I think it's going to be some time until we actually get to meet in person. <laughs> probably <laughs> so. Well, this is great. I will, um, I'll put the links to uh, found professionals when I post this, but anything mm-hmm. else you want to plug before we drop? No, I mean, this, this, this has been really great, Paul. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I got really happy when I saw that you, uh, you started the podcast actually in uh, a few months ago or beginning of the year. So um, just because I have the heart for, for young people as well. So I'm so thankful that you invited me to, um, to speak to you here today. Well, you've got, you've got an amazing story to tell. And I mean, as a, a female business owner and entrepreneur, I mean, mm-hmm. it's great to see success stories and hear sort of, you know, your journey and how you've, you know, followed your dreams and really, you know, lived up to that. And I think it's, it's um, certainly an inspiration for a lot of young folks out there. So I appreciate you sharing your story. And thanks again for your time today. Thank you, Paul. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.